Hello, everybody. I'm glad you're here. And I'm in the mood for a little story time. One of many stories that I'll be telling over the course of time. For the last seven years, um, almost eight now, I've been living with this very amazing feeling of knowing who and what I am. And of course, that's why I'm speaking to you about the journey there, the journey that continues from within there, and some of the very amazing things that have happened along the way. All along the way. Because it's been a very interesting life. And the reason I like to tell stories is because I know we all have them. And we connect through them. And there's something very relatable about a human life. Every time I meet someone, it doesn't take long to talk and eventually have some things in common. Begin to understand each other through some common and shared perception of values, of state of the world, state of being, even state of mind. Because I know for a fact that beyond mind, we all connect together somehow. We're also incredibly similar in our genetics, in our chemistry, in our humanity, that it's really just through the mind that we start becoming disconnected. Hence, Illuminating the disconnect, folks. So this story takes place from the fall of 2016 until the spring of 2017. So this was a couple years after I've been um, in a very pleasant state of just existing, living in the moment, and um, actually living in the moment. No dwelling in the past, no goals or dreams or thoughts of the future for the most part. Those aren't good or bad. I'm indifferent to them for the most part. But um, trusting myself, fully trusting myself. And so in that space, I began writing shortly after the experiences of 2014. And I began writing a lot and posting a lot of things online. In fact, I used to have fairly big social accounts, which I got rid of a couple years ago when I was going through some health concerns that were stealing my mental focus through headaches and lack of able to focus and I needed to deal with those and so just the thought of having those around it didn't matter much to me so I got rid of them I did print a lot of it though and I've got a few books worth of information to put out there about all the thoughts that came streaming through for a few years and during that time I also had access to an office space near downtown Vancouver uh, which I worked out in exchange with the building owner. I kind of became the caretaker of the building in my spare time, and, and I got to have one office within a very huge office space um, and warehouse sort of space, and it was very interesting. So I started holding some counseling sessions there, some um, small workshops, and making it uh, somewhere I went every day just to be somewhere else other than at home to walk through the city, to have a destination, a place to meet clients, you know, in uh, privacy and safety. So I had a little office with a room outside where I had tea and occasionally some snacks or something like that to um, make people feel comfortable and where we could talk about what we're talking about right now, right here. Life, satisfaction, well-being, mental health, and uh, getting to know who and what the heck you are so that you can enjoy it peacefully, calmly, and in a relaxed and excited fashion. 
So one day, on the way back to the office, I was uh, out on an appointment with the actual owner of the space. And we had been doing some uh, some errands, as was part of, you know, my job at the office space. And so we pulled into a, a parking spot outside of the front of the office building. He parked the car, and I got out, and then was waiting for him to get out. He was um, a little bit overweight at the time, this gentleman, and it took him a few minutes to get out of the car. Sometimes I helped him. Most often he just wanted to do it on his own, so I let him, and that was just fine. He knew I'd be patiently waiting to uh, open the door and get up to the office space. So while I was waiting, I just casually strode behind to the back of the car, but still on the sidewalk. And this is an area of... Um, Vancouver called Chinatown and the streets are lined with ginkgo trees if you're familiar with those a nice ancient tree the horticulturist in me was fascinated when I first heard what uh, they were and how they had been rediscovered at one point in time and so I leaned up on one of these ginkgo trees and just looked up I was just looking up it was a November day the leaves had fallen off the trees I had my hand firmly on the tree, right on the branch, or right on the trunk, sorry. And I was just relaxing, as I'm prone to do. And as I was relaxing, I felt someone walk past. And as they were walking past, I noticed they looked up, because I was looking up. And then they walked past and kept on their way. And then the second person did that. And I started to smile, because, you know, this is something humans do, you know. Uh, monkey see, monkey do. When we see someone doing something, we tend to look because we need to make it a part of our awareness just in case. You know, just in case it's interesting, just in case it's uh, harmful. Something that we need to, uh, you know, be ready for. That's why we do it. So the second person passed, and then a moment later, a third person was walking past. Only this time, the person stopped. And she turned towards the tree, and she put her hand on the trunk of the tree as well and looked at me. And I looked right at her and she said, you know, you can feel the energy of the tree if you stop for a moment. And I looked right at her and said, I know, that's what I'm doing. And she smiled and said, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Nantar. And I said, hi, my name is Steve. And we started talking. And this was one of those quantum moments, moments when anything was possible. There was a sparkle in the air. Both of us were in the same open, relaxed space, and we just started talking. Over the course of a few minutes, she explained to me that her name Nantar meant quartz, rose quartz, and that she came from Ecuador, and that um, she was in Vancouver for a little while, meeting people, studying, and that she just happened to be working part-time around the corner at um, a little local coffee roaster and so in the course of doing that uh, these little talkings you know we knew we wanted to talk again because I told her well I have an office space just up there and I'm doing classes I talk a little bit about being meditative and I try and you know help people you know think about who they are and relax and all that kind of stuff fairly informally but I could tell that she was like hmm okay so, of course, she tells me next she's a medicine woman. Hmm, medicine woman. And or shaman. Only, of course, you know, the 
female of the lineage is usually identified as a medicine woman. So, of course, I'm intrigued. Here's this mid-twenties, I was guessing, um, young woman, wise beyond her years type of woman with a delightful smile, a warm presence, showing up right here on this day when I'm, again, in my element. You know, no agenda, not looking for anything, just here. And so, before we part ways, we make plans to meet up. Now, this was a Friday. I remember that distinctly because we made plans to meet up perhaps Monday and that we would be in touch before then. So she wrote down her her name and her uh, contact information. And I waited for Shane to get out of the car completely. And by this time, he was ready to walk uh, down the sidewalk and up to the office. And I was walking beside him. And I opened the door. And as we walked up the stairs, I just said, you know, something amazing has just happened. Someone very important has just entered my life. And I don't know why. I don't know how to explain it. But that's just that. And, you know, I'm usually, since 2014, I've usually been in a very good state of being, a good presence, um, a light feeling, a lightness of being has been just the baseline. And yet this was elevated in this moment because of this quantum experience. I just felt like, holy crap. And, of course, my human rational mind was thinking, oh, man, is this is this my person? Is this the next, the next person? Because I wasn't with anybody at the time, uh, as far as partnerships go. And that was fine. Wasn't looking for anybody. And yet, the bigger picture of me completely held back and just went, don't get out of yourself on a human level. Just wait to experience it. And so that Friday, I didn't go home and look up this person's name on the internet. I didn't investigate whatsoever. And I put it mostly out of my mind. Interesting thing is, my subconscious went to work. And this is very interesting. And I'm going to be explaining how this works on a deep level in a future episode. I know I say that a lot during these episodes, but there's so freaking much I have to relate about the experience of consciousness, self-consciousness, subconscious mind and uh the ego consciousness within the human being that um yeah you'll see i've got tens upon tens of books being written because of that fact there's so many interesting ways to relate this information most of it from experience because as far as i'm concerned that's the best and most honest way to do this so that night i went to sleep nice and calm did my my nightly ritual at that point which was just falling asleep saying thank you thank you to people thank you to experiences that have uh, meant something along the way positive or negative even challenges saying thank you for that it's helped to bring me to who i am and i found that to be a very calm and meditative meditative way to continue to put my day behind me i've always found it fairly easy to fall asleep after uh, assuming certain practices about 15, 20 years ago. But it, it had gotten even easier and deeper. And I just found this was a conscious way to keep things very present and very relevant and more heartfelt and compassionate experience of life. Being thankful will do that. So eventually I fell asleep. And during the course of the sleep, I had some dreams. And in one of these dreams, I saw myself in a room um, a building of some kind. It felt like a, a court or a church or something like that. And I was 
my presence was floating over top of a table and in the, on that table down below I saw two people signing documents or papers or something like that I didn't see their faces but I knew who it was and so I, I filed that away and I contemplated a little bit and I thought I knew what it meant but it didn't really matter so because of course the truth has to be experienced so the weekend passes by and eventually I believe Sunday night we contacted each other via email and set up um, a lunchtime meeting to meet for a drink like a coffee or a hot chocolate or something at the coffee roaster where she was around the corner. Of course, I'd be at my office space literally around the corner from there. So we were within a block of each other at this point. And then Monday came and we joined up at lunch. We sat down at a, at a seat. It was one of those higher tables where you have to be on a stool. So, you know, we're, we're sitting very, upright we're both very excited to talk and relate some of our stories we knew we couldn't tell everything right away but just you know like who are you where did you come from what do you mean you're a medicine woman and she'd be like what experiences have you had well, you know what are you doing how are you helping people are you helping people and so we just talked now most of the time while we were talking we informally just held hands across the table just for that feeling of connection nothing more than that no ulterior motives, just like, wow, wow, this person exists. This is fantastic. What a nice person. What a nice experience. We talked for a fair while, and then after we had gotten comfortable and calm and gotten to know each other, I looked at her, and I asked her, are you married? And she said yes. Because she had given no evidence, hadn't talked about that in the course of, you know, revealing who she was and why she was here. Like, why are you, why did you leave Ecuador? What's going on? And she just said yes. And I said, you know what? And I told her about the dream. I said, I had a dream that this hap this experience of with you had happened with someone else. And it was just utterly fascinating. And we didn't speak about it further. But in that moment, we solidified a mutual understanding. And I knew that I was going to be experiencing her on a purely open, intimate, love-based level. Nothing, nothing more than that. And that that was perfectly fine and acceptable. And later on, I would come to find out it was actually completely the right thing to do. And this is one of a few instances where I've had dreams which were prophetic in which my consciousness alerted me to doing the right thing in the moment and this was distinctly the right thing to do in the moment so after that day we became fast friends we met up almost every day for lunch or for dinner in my office we made our own food and shared it or we'd walk around the city we'd um yeah, just spend time together. And this went on for about a month and a half. And then uh, New Year's Eve came. And together, we, we put on a little bit of a New Year's Eve celebration in the big space that we that I had access to. And we did some song and dance, meditation, a little group discussion, just all the things that we we're both um, interested in. You could call it spiritual, of course. And of course, it is spiritual because, you know, whether you know it or not, you are a spiritual being. And so we did that. We ended up holding another class or two over time. 
um, to help the community, to give back, to offer things, um, all by donation. I don't think we actually made money off any of them technically by the time we paid for food and, and whatnot, but that didn't matter. The whole point was just to share. And at some point, she had um, mentioned that it would be time for her to go, but that uh, before she went, that we should do some experiences because one of the things she had spoken of a fair bit being a medicine woman of course they use medicine and plant medicine is very big in her family she comes from a lineage of um shaman and medicine women that are very experienced at ayahuasca if you're familiar with that uh, i'm only familiar with it through having read about it and i've had a few friends um experience it in south america but honestly, those things have always been neither here nor there to me. I've never um, wanted to experience psychedelics, experience anything like that. I've read about it. Um, but for some reason, I've had it in my psyche since early, early on to try and experience this life as openly, honestly, naturally as possible. Not to say that doing, you know, certain things aren't, isn't a natural thing to do. You know, no judgment about it at all. Just I knew, you know, for me to feel good in this life, it needed to be as pure as possible. So it can't be pure if it isn't just completely unto itself as such. You know, these things can be great tools, but they can also not help long term if we become dependent on them in any way. So she was very interested in me attempting some psychedelic in order to experience it. And I know she was excited because she thought it was going to help me in some way to lead to a breakthrough. And it was very interesting because I tried to reassure her that I was doing quite well. I had had my breakthrough as such. But I know in relating my story, you know, the meditation, the bare contemplation of 2014, and letting go of the mind, it's extremely hard for people to accept that that is a real experience because most people don't have it and i understand that that's why i relate it in such a matter of fact relatable way is because this shouldn't be that difficult for humans to achieve and it shouldn't be some grand lofty achievement it should just be something that we do so that we know ourselves that's it and it was interesting because i i definitely tried to put her off a few times about it so we decided upon she had two things in mind um, for me to experience uh, mushrooms and for me to experience, I believe it was salvia. But uh, don't quote me on that because I'm, it didn't really matter to me, so I didn't pay as much of attention as I probably should have to that exact detail. But I think it was salvia divinorum. So, uh, one night at the office after, um, you know, I was done for the day and I think she was done with her work, she came by and she had obtained mushrooms. I honestly didn't even know where to go or who to talk to to get them. And, uh, you know, I, I split the cost with her on that. And before the mushrooms, she actually wanted to smoke some marijuana. That was part of her practice of, of relaxing. And that was part of her almost daily ritual anyway, as it is with a lot of people. And something that has never been of interest to me in the past. I've tried, I've tried it three times, I believe. And each time I never really had any interesting experience uh, or effect from it. So not that I was looking for one. Um, again, I don't really need anything like that. Never really did. But since 2014, I especially don't. I'm like, if I, 
<laughs> I don't want to be taken away from the state of being I've, I've worked so hard to create naturally within myself. But we did. So we did, uh, we did some mushrooms one night. I believe we, she prepared them and we ate them and then just lied down. And we lied down on the floor of the office. We had some sleeping bags and some, some pillows and whatnot and laid there and experienced it. And it was um, interesting. It was very interesting. And there's one takeaway that I got from that experience. Because what I remember happening was starting to see these um, projections of color streaming through my mind. They seem to be more heavily subjected to the left side of my mind, whatever that means. And they were definitely geometric, um, fractal type patterns running past and pulling and stretching and pulling and stretching in my mind. And in the past, I've often contemplated feeling, what feeling is, and it being, you know, when energy becomes form, the connective tissue is feeling. And that's what our feelings are for. They're to give us feedback about what it is to be alive. How is our physical body doing? What are we experiencing? And even within the energetic body, you know, energy, like even a photon of sunlight is alive. It's real. There's something happening there. And so at some point during um, the high, the peak of the mushrooms, I actually saw colors being pushed and pulled and stretched and transforming to the point where it seemed to me I was seeing a, a visual of what feeling is from the way I just described it as an ener energetic sensation, that, that connection between energy and matter. I hope that makes sense. And that's, honestly, that was the gist of it right there. I don't remember how long it lasted. I think it might have been half an hour to 45 minutes. And then, yeah, then, you know, we came down. And because it was late in the evening, we decided just to sleep in the office that night. I had a small uh, love seat that I had for, for you know, speaking comfortably with clients off to the side. So, you know, we I set Nantar up in, in, the, in the love seat and I, I kept just resting where I was. And at some point during the night there, I actually scooted over closer and it's interesting. I, I did a little a little test while we were sleeping. So I scooted over towards the um, the love seat. I was still on the floor and I just put my hand gently up. And after about five minutes, her hand came down and joined mine. And we just slept the rest of the night kind of holding hands subconsciously. I just was doing that to see... Uh, you know, what's the space here? And then we uh, yeah slept the night away, woke up, and each got cleaned up and uh, went about our day. Now, a little bit later, and just before she actually left Vancouver, we did our second experience. And this was, um, again, something I didn't know anything about. So you're going to hear some me talk about this in probably a very naive way for those of you that understand psychedelics. But hey... This is what I got, and this is uh, how I tell it. So we we're going to do this salvia divinorum. And she had instructed me to kind of cleanse the in the days before, eat a little bit more whole food, a little bit more clean, uh, which I was doing decently well at, at the time. So I was in a pretty good physical space anyway. 
and I understood exactly what she was getting at. You know, in order for, you know, something to affect your mind and body, it's going to be enhanced if you are in a clear state of mind and body. Less resistance. You know, like I talk about, there's, you know, you know who you are when there's less resistance in your mind to being who you are and when the body is actually healthy as a conduit. So the time came and she arrived at uh, at my apartment. This is where we did it this time was because it would be very comfortable. And she described that I would also need to be laying down and in bed and comfortable for this experience, which she would be attending to me the whole time. And just this was my experience. This was something you do together. This was her being a medicine woman, guiding someone through an experience and making sure they were safe. And so here's how the experience went. When she first got there, she set up the room, did a little cleansing, uh, a prayer, and then asked me how I was. I was doing just fine. We sat down in the room. We said a few a few things, just cleared cleared the air, made our intentions clear, and then it began. And... She told me that in order to take this, I would be inhaling it, inhaling it through my nose when it was um, burning out of a small pipe. I don't even recall 100%. And this was very interesting because it didn't go well <laughs> at first. And that's probably because of me. And it might be a little bit because of just the preparation and her not realizing how inexperienced I was. But... So she lit this salvia and it became, it was these little kind of crystals, little pieces, and it became hot and burning and warm. And then I was supposed to inhale it. And I did. I inhaled the stuff up through my nose and it was like burning hot, almost burning hot. And it was uncomfortable. And so the first time I did it, I thought, okay, well, you got to do this. This is the entry point. This is the starting point. You know, I've had tattoos. I've had other injuries. I'm a man. I can, I can take these things. I don't mean women can't, I'm just saying. And so I did this once. And she said, okay, it should only take a minute. So we sat there, and we sat there, and nothing happened. So she said, okay, we can try it one more time. And so we did the same thing again. And we breathed, I breathed it in, she prepared it, and she was having to really help me, because I was, you know, plugging one nose and breathing in, or I can't remember exactly what, and she was, I wasn't quite doing it right somehow. I need to do it quickly and abruptly. But again, I, I'd never done this before. And she was explaining it, but in hindsight, not, not quite slowly and clearly enough. I think she thought that I would just grasp how to do it naturally when she had been doing this for years with many people all along. First time for me. Trust me, I've never been close to an experience like this prior. And so the second time we did it, it was burning my bloody nostrils inside. And I was getting a little angry, actually, which is unusual for me. But it was actually interesting at the time because I also speak my mind when I need to, when something's pissing me off. And it's something real and you know, not something I'm making up. It's not dramatic. It's just right there. It happened again. And so she was getting a bit, she's like, damn, you know, like, what the heck's going on? This isn't taking. You're not doing it right. And I'm like, I had to look at her and say, well... I don't know how to do it. You've got to pretend like I'm a child that's never experienced something before. Please slow down and tell me exactly what to do. And so she's like, well, this costs, you know, a bit of money. I don't have a lot left to go on my next portion of my trip. And I was like, it's okay. I'll, we're splitting this, the cost of this, and I'm paying for what I can too. So she said, okay, I actually have a little left, and then I'll still have some left over for another person I'm seeing later that I'm doing the same thing with. So I said, okay, let's try this one more time. 
So, third time's a charm. And third time was a charm. And so, you know, breathed it in, waited a few seconds, waited a minute, and then after a minute, you know, she said, you'll know when it's on. And yeah, I knew when it was on. It was like all of a sudden my head started feeling liquid. Just started feeling liquid inside. And she's like, okay, we were on the floor right beside my bed. She's like, time to get in the bed. So I got in the bed. Uh, she put one cover over top of me. My head was nicely propped up. She said, close your eyes and just let it happen. Just experience it. Now, she had also prepared a washcloth because, you, you know, apparently you can sweat and get, get quite warm. And she was just there to make sure I didn't move around and do anything. And I was like, okay, I'm a pretty calm person. I'm pretty sure I'll just stay here. But I did. So I sank into the experience, you know, letting go, which was the space I was kind of in. I was kind of empty-minded at the moment anyway. I was, you know, had gotten past the moment of us being a little frustrated with each other with the first two attempts not working. You know, it was all fine. It was all fine, you know. I think one of the first things I said was, sorry, we're here now. It's, um, you know, let's let's do what we need to do. And so I laid there. And this liquid feeling in my head started amplifying and becoming internal to my mind to the point where, you know, I didn't really feel my body anymore. I was still present. I was in awareness watching myself do all this and have all this experience the whole time but inside my head it just became again kind of um, a 3d kaleidoscope fractal light show of of bubbling colors going past me on the left again it seemed to be left side heavy i don't know why but it was all encompassing at the same time and my breathing also started to feel liquid i started to feel like i was breathing underwater I don't know if you've ever had dreams where you're you're underwater and then all of a sudden you can make yourself breathe. You can kind of breathe in a bubble of water and breathe it back out again. Honestly, it would be like being in the womb because that's what we're doing then is, you know, amniotic fluid is around us and within us, surviving, a, surviving <laughs> keeping us, good words, helping us survive. And so this went on for a little while, this liquid state. To the point where, you know, my conscious mind every now, now and then was like, are you going to be okay? Are you drowning in this liquid feeling? But I, w I knew. I knew it was. I was there. I was safe. And I, I knew Nantar was there. And she, you know, would, you know, have a, a hand on my forehead, stroking my head. No, not saying anything. But just being like, you know, but being there, being present, attending, making sure I was safe. And that portion of the experience went on for a little while. And then, for some reason... And again, I don't know completely. I sank deeper into some relaxation and a letting go feeling. And I started becoming extremely emotional. Extremely emotional. I saw, I had a vision of myself, and I believe, because she was there, it was Nantar, in some ancient kingdom overlooking a mass of people. And I felt terribly... The current me felt terribly embarrassed if I ever had been that person. And I'll talk more about this in future episodes because I'm not really a fan of the actual notion of reincarnation and uh, as it's described. So, you know, I was detached from the experience, but through that experience, it brought up something that I've held near and dear my entire life and especially my adult life, which is nurturing 
the feminine side within myself, within society, looking for it, acknowledging it. That's a whole other story as well. But at this point in my life, people who know me know that I'm, I've worked hard to balance the masculine and the feminine. And the feminine has completely empowered the masculine energy within me to the point where I can be assertive, but it's always tempered with caring and compassion and looking at the bigger picture. But in this state right now, this liquid state of mind and being, and, you know, kind of just feeling like I'm nothing but emotions and liquid energy, I started talking. And I started crying. I started crying profusely and uncontrollably. I knew I really was, but part of me was also wondering, am I really doing this? And it was a completely uncontrolled sensation. And yet it came from a place that I knew inside me I had been contemplating for years. And I've, I've actually done and said these words to people individually. But here it came out as, a, as a, a collective, a holistic collective. And I started apologizing. I'm like to Nantar, to the world, to the, to the female of the species, the feminine energy of the species more accurately, for having suppressed it for so long. And I was crying and apologizing and saying, I am so sorry for all that we have done. And by we, I meant like what I, we might call male leaders, patriarchy. But in all honesty, I know it's just masculine energy, which is, you know, the, the material world, the um, ego. I would have to attribute, like, attribute as a masculine energy, an organizing energy. And so I was just crying and apologizing and crying and apologizing. And this lasted for a while. And then uh, Nantar was there listening. I don't think she said anything and stroking my head. And then just as quickly as it came on, it kind of settled into a deep peace. And I just lay there. And then I think she could tell that that phase of this experience was over. And it kind of was, you know, I could, I could sense myself a little bit more, a little bit more. And she, so she spoke for a few minutes and said, okay, I think that part's done and we're good to go. And you're actually done with me. So I'm going to start cleaning up. Just lay there. So I laid there while she went, tidied up her stuff, went and did whatever cleaning and rearranging she needed to do based on what she had brought there and needed to bring with her, uh, without cleaning up the room. I know that I told her, of course, you know, that's, that's me. I got that. Not a problem. Thank you so much. And so... I got up after she had done her thing and said, yeah, I'm fine. I just need to go to the washroom. I went to the washroom. And then as she got ready to leave, she said, just go lie down again. There's still going to be a little bit more. You're going to be very relaxed and just lie down and see what happens. And so that's what I did. I laid down and in a very relaxed, lucid state, I carried on from where I had left off, being very relaxed and, and released, open, no expectations. Not nearly fully in that liquid state of mind and being that I was experiencing at the peak, but just there. And then I experienced a second kind of a vision or a feeling. And in this vision, I saw myself walking with another gentleman, a slightly darker skinned gentleman with uh, jet black hair, pulled down and back in a ponytail. He would have been perhaps in his late 20s, early 30s, I'm guessing early 30s. And we were walking in a dry countryside, perhaps by the side of a river, but 
distant from the river and just on what would have looked like um, a sandy dune kind of an area, but in a warm climate for sure. And we were walking beside each other. And there were no actual words exchanged, but I could tell there was a mental dialogue going on, you know. And then after a while, I recognized who this person was. And I didn't say it, but I was like, we started giggling and laughing and talking about the work. And uh, at this point, there was a, a mental exchange of, of thoughts. And the thought coming from this person was, you know, I had this experience and I tried to relate it to the world and almost instantly... The mind got a hold of it, and it got turned into this, that, the other thing. The root was there always, but, you know, it got turned into so much more than I never intended. And that's when I recognized, ah, Siddhartha, there you are. And what he was talking about was the idea that religion happened out of what was just a practical experience, a personally enlightening experience. They they since and subsequently went on to call Siddhartha the Buddha. And in this um, communing with him in this in this vision, you know, we shook our heads and we laughed and went, you know, they just didn't, they missed the point. Just by saying the Buddha, they missed the point. Because that is ego right there. That is the mind making a concept out of something and someone who just was a human being who had an experience and wanted to relate it to others so that they could know themselves too. And so I kind of took it upon myself that that meant that, yeah, maybe I can extrapolate on that. Maybe I can go a little deeper and a little wider. And honestly, that's what the work I'm speaking to you is about. It's about not only recognizing who we are, but what we are. The what is so, so, so important because that's where we connect on a level playing field. There can't be any ego in what we are because it's a fact. It's descriptive. So since then, you know, I've contemplated Siddhartha and his journey as compared with mine, as compared with others, and the experience, and realized how practical and pragmatic the steps he took were, as were the, the ones that I have taken and have related to you, and which is why I speak in this very manner and just am another human being here talking about it. And yet I have a profound insight into how it can be related, how it can be explained, how it can be attained, how it can be possible, and how it may not even matter. All that fully, if we're aware enough to know what we are, to integrate our mind into what we're doing, as opposed to transcending it. They're both very valid experiences that help the individual and humanity. And if humanity is doing good on that level, hey, the world is going to suffer less as a consequence as well. And so I'm here to explain to you that, you know, Siddhartha Gautama wasn't the Buddha. He was a Buddha. He was one. So what? You are capable of being one too. You are one. It's just covered up. It's just ensconced in thought and identity. And I need to relate it to you being that simple because it's not that mystical. There isn't a human being that's walked the earth, I'm convinced, that's been so mystical that they, you know, outgrew their humanity. The most important and successful thing I've ever done is to fully embrace my humanity and just freaking be here and experience it. And the second most important thing is now to be able to relate that to you and to help people one-on-one, -on -one, to look them in the eye and inspire them. 
to know that they can be fully present to who they are and that it was never just some one-off experience that a few individuals have had in the past that turned into religions that then subsequently actually disconnected people from getting there. And so that was my experience with a medicine woman. She left town, parted ways with, with me, and then shortly after arriving back home, she sent me a message saying that her family thanked me very much for taking care of her while she was here. Because while she was here, I'm sure she had other experiences with other people, but I knew the one with me had to be pure, had to be honest. Because my psyche, my consciousness, made me aware of the fact that if she hadn't told me she was married, perhaps she had other motives with meeting me and other people here. And that's fine. Whatever she did, she's allowed to do. People make their choices. She's an amazing person. But with me, I knew it had to be bigger than that. It had to have no selfishness to it at all. And so when she sent me that message, you know, I cried that, that moment because it touched me very deeply that I knew I had been fulfilling my dharma, my purpose in that moment for being here and for being bigger than the situation. And it's happened many times subsequently. And for good reason. I'm good to go. When you're good at being yourself and you don't want anything from anyone, you want everything for everyone. Just as Siddhartha wanted. Which is why he tried so bloody hard with Four Noble Truths, with other things, sayings and quotes that are attributed to him that I'll be talking about in, a, in an episode specifically dedicated to Siddhartha. But for now... You know, if you had ever told me that I would experience something like this in this lifetime, I would have said you're crazy. But now I can say, you know, it's because I was fully sane that I was open to and able to experience something like this. And so there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. And I definitely hope you got something out of it. Because who you are is something you carry with you all the time. Within what you are, which is just this amazing energetic being contained in a body with a mind and a self-conscious mind and a potential ego that you don't always have to pay attention to and which you definitely don't have to live through in order to optimally feel who you are. Take care. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves. And it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life. This is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, if you'd like to support a very simple human Doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, and anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, there's a donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send... Uh, 
a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.